Hello everybody, it's Scott from Gray17. Today is February 22nd, 2023, which means this is the 30th anniversary of the airing of the Babylon 5 pilot movie, The Gathering. So we had to celebrate this amazing birthday of one of our favorite shows. So we have gathered, again, the League of Non-Aligned Podcasts. We have seven different shows represented on this, and we do a deep dive into just why we love Babylon 5 and where we think Babylon 5 is going to go for the next 30 years. So I hope you enjoy, and I hope you continue to join us and the other shows of the League as we continue to celebrate this amazing show. Happy birthday, Babylon 5. You do? How nice. I should send you a card on your birthday. <laughs> you have transmissions holding. Patch incoming signal. Full audio and video decode. Purple files accessed. What you are about to see has never been shown to anyone outside the Drake House. Everybody. Welcome to the second gathering of the League of Non-Aligned Podcast, which I think is what we decided to call ourselves last time. I am excited to have with us several different Babylon 5 shows uh, who have been around for a few months to quite a few years. So I'm Scott, and with me is... Jesse, I'm from the Gray 17 podcast. I am one of the newbies. Um, I've been watching Gray 7 or Gray 17. Jesus Christ. Babylon 5. Um, so I didn't call it Babylon 9. Um, I've been watching Babylon 5 for about six months now. I'm about halfway through um, season two and um, it's getting better every day. And my opinion now versus the last time I saw you guys is completely different. So yeah, and what I failed to say when I tossed it over to Jesse is what we're going to do first in these introductions is talk a little bit about our first interactions with B5, whether it was 30 years ago today, because it's the 30th anniversary of the gathering, or for some of you, it's only been a few months. And we have some newbies like Jesse on here, and we also have Brent from the Babylon 5 for the first time show. So we are going to be spoiler free for the first introductions. And then we will kick these guys out the airlock and we'll get in the spoilers down the road. So Jesse, great to have you. We'll go over to Mike next. Yeah, it's uh, this is Mike from um, the Gray Sector Pod. And uh, trying to think, are, are we, we're talking about the first time we watched or we're not getting to that yet? Yeah, let's go ahead and do it. Let's just do that in the introductions. Go for it. Yeah, so I, I watched uh, The Gathering in my parents' bedroom because there were only two TVs in my house at that point. Uh, there was... Uh, what we thought was a big TV, which I think was 32 inch CRT uh, in the living room. And then my parents, I believe it was like a 12 or a 16 inch or something in their bedroom. Um, and I had to ask permission to be able to have that TV for an hour. And and I got to go, well, I guess in the, in the case of the gathering for what, two hours. But, but yeah, and that was the first time I watched when it was live. 
um, this, it was pretty exciting and crazy and weird. Next, we got Ryan. Uh, hello, this is Ryan Swinski here from the Yum Yum podcast. And I first really kind of watched Babylon 5 when my parents got the first season DVD set. I had probably seen some of the other episodes on um, recorded off the television. There's one in season two that I can remember quite vividly seeing with all of the old ads and stuff. But it was through the DVDs that I really got a flavoring of B5 here in Australia. They released the DVDs very um, in a staggered manner. So I had season one by itself for three to four years. So I'm very familiar with what it's like to be left on a cliffhanger for a very long time. And overall, yeah, I'm a big fan of B5. Uh, my wife and I, we go through it episode by episode, like a lot of you people. And uh I'm I'm excited to see uh talk about what's happening with B5 right now. Joe. Hi, I'm Joe. I'm with the uh Gray Sector podcast uh with I with Mike and um let's see. I first started watching Babylon 5. I was a bit of a, you know, Star Trek nerd in college and I made the mistake of of dissing this like sort of upstart sci-fi show i'd heard about you know to like to my friend jake and he was like no 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 that's a great show you have to come watch it he had a tv in his room i, I did not in my freshman year and so you know that's where I, you know i went over and started every thursday i, I just kept coming back and, to, and you know he had to let me back in the room and it was great you know i i, I was like blown away by this new sci-fi show it was totally different from star trek and you know, i loved it Brent. What's up? What's up? <laughs> what are we doing? <laughs> what everyone else has been doing. You yeah, are trouble, sir. Oh, sorry. I just, hey, just trying to bring a little taste of Babylon 5 for the first time here to the <laughs> League of Non-Aligned podcast. Uh, my name is Brent. As I said, I'm from Babylon 5 for the first time, which means I, like my friend Jesse and Nicole, and who else was here? Who else it was Andrew. He's time? disappeared. Andrew, he disappeared. Yeah, uh, he's got that quality Central Illinois internet. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I uh, certainly know about that. That's why we don't podcast with people from there. Anyway, uh, <laughs> like them, I'm I'm a newbie. Uh, we are getting really close to the end of season two. Uh, we've been in this journey since about May of last year, um, and I like this. I I will I will. Flat out tell you guys, I like the show. Although to be frank, season two has been really rough for me um, so far. It's 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 had its rough points. Sorry to the other newbies who aren't quite as far along as we are yet. But uh, uh, here, here's hoping the end of season two picks it up because, uh, yeah. I have been watching you guys react to season two and just shaking my head because so I, I don't have. get it, but whatever. That's well, fine. you know, I mean, it's it, it's the difference, I think, between people who understand the entire show and people who are watching for the first time. And you guys are like, oh, this is so good. And this connects to that. And this connects to that. And we're like, yeah. So <laughs> like, I don't know. You're like, you don't understand foreshadowing. I'm like, no, I understand foreshadowing. I just don't have a crystal ball to see what's foreshadowing and what's not. 
a brand. It's just not so- a clip show without the clips. Okay, just just so you know, don't don't make that <laughs> mistake ever again, That's or else the fans will never clips. let it go. Oh my gosh, never, I never the, say it again. The things that people choose to latch onto is hilarious to me. Absolutely hilarious. And look, of the so so Jeff's my co-host. Of the two of us, Jeff is by far the more shall we say diplomatic of the two this is true i grew up in a blue collar hillbilly town in kentucky and let me tell you what if you were up you were getting busted on that's how it works and if if you didn't come correct like like we're gonna go at you and we're not gonna let you get away with stuff and if you if you dig into something stupid oh we're gonna double down on it and that's that's just the way we roll and uh, it's been fun. It's been fun. I, Jeff has banned me from ever commenting again on any of our videos. So <laughs> Ryan's tried to stop me from commenting on my videos, but I do it anyway. Yeah, you just have you have garbage, garbage takes on Star Trek Voyager and, and Picard. It's just it's a double whammy there. Mm-hmm. Nicole, you're up. Hi, everybody. I'm Nicole. I'm with the Gray 17 of Babylon 5 podcast. I am a newbie as well. So I've been watching Babylon 5 since our podcast started. Um, The Gathering obviously was the first one that I've ever seen. Um, But I'm not only new to Babylon 5, I'm new to sci-fi in general. So for me, this has been a really interesting experience because going from The Gathering to now, it's like a complete 180. Um, You know, I... I'm the person on the podcast that like looks for the silver lining and always tries to look be positive and oh it wasn't that bad and you know finds things that I could pick out that maybe were good in a crappy episode you know so uh the first season was a lot of the crappy episodes <laughs> but I will say I am definitely a solid fan now and even if I wasn't doing the podcast I would still watch and still finish um and it's been really exciting to take this journey especially as someone who isn't familiar with the sci-fi genre and sometimes I feel like I'm talking out of my ass and I don't know what I'm referring to but at the same time there's been a couple things I have been right about even if I get the red yarn out a lot so um there are some things though I have caught on to um but yeah it's been a really fun experience and I just want to also say thanks to all of you for being here because I think this is one of the coolest and most exciting things about this community is all of us being able to come together and talk about something that we all have in common so um, yeah, that's that's kind of where I'm at with B5 so far, and I'm excited to, you know, go back in two years and listen to all of our Beyond the Rim and find out what I was right about and what I was wrong about. <laughs> yeah. I'm Tim Callender. I am one of the co-hosts of the Babylon podcast, and uh, I would like to say I was there at the dawn of the third age of mankind, except I couldn't find the listing on the local station. So I got that part of my B5 fandom bingo cards checked off immediately. Um, I knew this new show that was coming out and as big a Star Trek fan as I am, I was like, yeah, OK, something new. I'm, I'm interested. Didn't know who J. Michael Straczynski was at all. Um, and then was talking with a friend of mine, it's like, oh, yeah, this Babylon 5 pilot was on like a week ago. It's like, what? Um, so I made damn sure that I caught Midnight on the Firing Line when that finally premiered. And um, I, I was hooked from the beginning. And as rough as that first season could be, um, 
I was thrilled to have another space-based show that wasn't Star Trek and was doing some very, very interesting storytelling. Um, I, of course, eventually caught the the pilot when it came back around again. And uh, not only do I have the um, version that is included in the movie collection, but I've got a disc that one of our uh, Babcast listeners burned that was um, a copy of that original airing with the Stuart Copeland soundtrack and uh, a couple different scenes that from one to the other when uh, TNT finally rolled back around and, and aired the uh, the pilot. Um, so, uh, yeah, so, uh, um, you know, I know we'll get digging into it here for a little bit, so I won't say much more than that, but I'm happy to be here, too, and I thank you for the invite. Hey, Ver. Hi, I'm Jafer. I'm from the Who Are You? Babylon 5 Watchcast. You got close, Scott. It's fine. I tried. I, honestly, I care a lot more about trying than I do getting it right. Um, so uh, I am a lifelong Star Trek fan. Uh, my dad, my grandpa watched the original series as it was coming out, and that was a super fond memory of his childhood. And then I'm an 80s baby, so when Next Gen hit, that was like family TV night. So I grew up watching Star Trek, you know, every Wednesday we would watch Next Gen and then DS9 and then Voyager. Babylon 5 was the first kind of sci-fi show I ever watched on my own, independent of that. And so I have a lot of fond memories of it from that and finding it. Um, I did not catch it on P10. I did not get a chance to view it until it came on TNT. And when TNT got the rights in what is probably the closest to a streaming media experience you could possibly have in the 90s. They aired an episode or two every day over the summer before it came out. And I was out of school, so I watched Babylon 5 in that order on TNT with like two episodes a day for an entire summer, um, except for one episode that I missed, which I didn't notice until I did a watch through in 2019 2020 i came back to it summer well i am summer brooks i'm one of the i'm the other co-host and a producer for the babylon podcast uh the long storied history of how that podcast started is hilarious it basically you know, the short version is tim said hey you wanna and i said sure <laughs> and my i actually got to see the gathering on its first initial airing and i remember being surprised to see that the score was composed by stuart copeland because i was a huge fan of the original Equalizer TV show, which he also scored. And later, when I think it was sometime during season two, I mean, I was surprised when Midnight on the Firing Line came on and the music was entirely different, but I really loved it. But sometime during season two, I got a hold of the laser disc for the gathering, Japanese import, which had the original, the original print, the original cut, the original soundtrack. 
And I believe whomever I finally gave that to might have been the person who shared a digital version of that with him. Uh, <laughs> I cannot I cannot confirm or deny that. But yeah, I made myself a copy of that before I sent the LaserDisc on to a new home because my last two LaserDiscs died and I was pissed. Mm. But uh, yeah, the the gathering changed my mind. I thought space opera was never going to be on TV again. Boy, was I wrong, and I was happy to be there for the start of the ride. Hi, I'm Baz from A Dream Given Form Podcast. I've been a fan of Babylon 5, and basically since the start of season three when it was broadcast in the UK, so I was a big Star Trek fan, but there was something about Babylon 5 that just stuck with me. Maybe it was all the uh, Lord of the Rings influences, maybe because the shadows were so freaking cool. I watched it all the way through to the end, got every episode on VHS. I literally spent hundreds and hundreds of quids on VHS tabs tapes and then I lapped up all the TV movies and Crusade as well so I've got everything on DVD I've watched Balvin 5 multiple times I've had the absolute pleasure of talking to several cast members um, and everyone involved in Balvin 5 has nothing but passion for the show um, talking to Walter Kanin Pat Torn, Marshall T Peter Rusick it's been an absolute joy and I've loved connecting with B5 fandom whether it's on my podcast Dreaming Form or with uh, fans online like yourselves and of course, my dream project now, I'm actually writing a book on the 30th history of the show from McFarlane Publishing. So the uh, manuscript is just about to be submitted right now. So it's a whole 95,000 words on the uh, history development influence of the show, including some kind of interviews with the cast itself. So, yeah, the development of Babylon 5, influence on the genre of television, you know, long form storytelling, the highs and lows, as JMS attempted to revive the show. There's been so much to write about, and I'm really excited to share it with Babylon 5 fans everywhere. And I'm Scott. I'm with the Gray 17 podcast. Uh, we've got our newbies and our first ones watching. And we're right now in the very smack dab middle of season two. And uh, as Nicole and Jesse have already pointed out, it's been an interesting ride. For me, uh, I was with Mike in terms of having two or three TVs in the house. They all had the little dials and stuff. And uh, this new network of stations came out called PTN, the Prime Time Entertainment Network. And there was one show on there that really excited me because of my nerdum, and that was Time Tracks. Because <laughs> I grew up with my dad watching Quantum Leap. And I was like, ooh, it's Quantum Leap, but he's a cop. And so I was watching time tracks that came out a month before uh, the gathering did. So as I was watching time tracks, uh, which only lasted two seasons and that's a heartbreak, they were having the um, trailers for the gathering. Now I was a star Trek kid and I was already very excited and I'm going to get some haters because I've already gotten haters for saying this a couple times. So it's okay. You can put it in the comments. It's okay. I was very excited. I was already watching Deep Space Nine, which came out in January of 93. I had been watching and waiting for DS9 to come out for almost a year. And so I was really excited because I already had DS9 had just started airing. I'm watching Time Tracks and Kung Fu, The Legend Continues. And this new Babylon 5 show is coming out. So I got to watch it from the beginning. I was, uh, as Tim put it, I was there at the dawn of the third age of mankind 30 years ago today. Uh, I actually was able to figure it out on TV Guide, so good on me. <laughs> uh, 
but it's been a it's been a wonderful ride um these past 30 years i have spent many of my college years telling other friends that they should check this show out either by passing at first pirated uh video discs and then when the dvds finally were around passing out uh, dvds as well and um i was there from the initial start all the way through the trials and tribulations that were the end of season four and will we get a season five and the excitement of tnt grabbing it and watching it all over again on tnt uh, and so forth and so on like many people so it's been fun and it's been really um a whole new experience for me and i'm sure for all of you too with your shows is experiencing it again with a whole new community of people back in 30 years ago i I know some of you guys had your networks and your usenets and everything but i was a 10 year old kid so i didn't and so i just watched it by myself but it's been really fun enjoying this this journey with people who have experienced it before and who haven't and we've got some amazing stories i i've I've posted on our twitter account a couple times if 10 year old scott knew what nearly 40 year old scott would be dealing with here uh it'd be interesting for example we got a cease and desist order from pornhub that that that's something new uh we can't sell Narnhub shirts anymore i guess uh we've gotten to uh, interview some amazing cast members and it's just um it, it, you have to pinch yourself when you're doing this stuff but it's been really fun so as we've already discussed it is the 30th anniversary and we want to talk about a couple things here while we have this group together. Uh, what we're going to do first is later on, we're going to have a conversation about the relevancy of B5 now and how is it still relevant? How does it hold up today? But I want to make sure our newbies get to have a moment to discuss that because we're going to get deep into spoilers uh, in a few minutes. So I want to give the newbies a chance to talk about that relevancy. And then we're going to have them go ahead and leave. And then also after they leave, we are going to talk about uh, what's next for B5. Uh, We've got a special project that's going to be announced at San Diego Comic-Con in a few months. And of course, the reboot is still uh, somewhat alive and kicking. So uh, we'll have those conversations too. But let's go to the newbies first and we'll go in reverse order. Nicole, talk to us about how Babylon 5 is relevant today and you being somebody who just started watching it in July of last year. Yeah. So it's amazing to me how relevant Babylon five is today. Um, That's one of the things I think I like the best about the show is that a lot of these themes and things that they experience and portray, um, they kind of push the envelope back then a little bit, you know, uh, like for example, the episode with um, the uh, union and then going on strike and all that, those are still things that people deal with today, you know, um, all sorts of different things and topics that have come up throughout the show um, are all things that we still deal with. You know, we still deal with, um, you know, uh, problems with um trying what's the word i'm looking for it's escaping me now but um it it just really blows my mind how a show from all those years ago can tie into literally things that are happening today oh i know what i was gonna say like the um the uh people who hate the aliens what are they called again Um, home guard home guard yes home guard that whole thing you know um that is something that kind of hits a little too close to home, you know, people wanting the only our kind, you know what I mean? Like 
just little themes that they explore, which I believe in the 90s might have been taboo or might have even been a little bit um, not seen on TV as often. Uh, these themes that they are not afraid to experience, you know. So for me, it's been really cool to see that kind of juxtaposition to today and the things that we go through today. Uh, so I personally feel that Babylon 5 is really relevant. I think it holds up. And I think that it's kind of crazy that some of the things that they were discussing years and years ago that people struggle with and go through, we're still going through today and we're still dealing with today. It's like kind of messed up actually, you know? So um, I think it, that's one of the things to me that really drew me in is that that writing and that um, those themes and these things that are relatable because pretty much almost every episode, at least one person on our podcast can relate to something that one of the characters is going through, you know? Um, so I just think that's a really cool thing. And I really do think it is still relevant with, you know, what's been going on in, in the times more recently. So yeah, I definitely think it's relevant. Chuckle nugget, kind of. So I have a theory and it's that sci-fi in general, okay, it is the perfect genre for holding up a mirror to society in many, in many of the same things, exactly what Nicole was just saying. Um, there is no other genre that can do it as well as sci-fi. There's a no, there's no other genre that you can, you can take a, a, an issue of today, drop it into an alien foreign culture. So you're not like insulting anybody and then showing people just how ugly you really are. And, and on the other side of that, giving you the, the, the hope that it can get better or maybe even the roadmap of how to get there. And um, I suspect, and I've seen it somewhat so far during my journey of Babylon 5, um, where the issues that Babylon 5 talks about in many ways is still relevant today, exactly what Nicole was just saying, uh, which could be fortunate or maybe that's really unfortunate. Like we haven't gotten over that in 30 years, but I, I believe that, that society is better when these kinds of shows are on TV. And this is exactly what we need out of uh, our television and uh, overall. So with Babylon five specifically, one of the things that that I've heard said, and I think it's shaping up to be true, whereas with Star Trek, there's like, hey, here's what the perfect society eventually is going to look like. Babylon 5 is a little bit like, hey, here's the road for how we get there. This is this is us along the journey. We haven't arrived yet, but this is us getting there. And and there is some some grittiness to it. There is some dirtiness to it. And and all of that's OK. Um, and. You know, one of the things that Babylon 5 does different, though, and I, I love this because it's not Star Trek. And the, the subtitle to our show is this is not a Star Trek podcast. Um, and people think that we compare Babylon 5 to Star Trek a lot. Actually, what we're doing is we're contrasting Babylon 5 to Star Trek a lot. And one of the things um, that they that they do is they actually are taking issues like home guard and things like psychor and people who look exactly like every single one of us here because guess what 
they are the humans and showing just how awful they can be. But it's okay because they're way back on earth, way over there. And we're here on Babylon five, right? Like it, it's that same thing, but it's, it, it's really one of those things I've come to love about um, Babylon five. And I love that. It's also not always just bonk bonk over the head. Like there is some subtlety that goes along with it. Uh, and sometimes you got to dig it out. And, and um, as a Star Trek podcaster, where you go in and try to dig out those truths, Babylon five is just r- rife with that kind of gold mine to be able to go in and, and look at it through that analytical lens that we get to. Jesse. Well, that was awesome. You just want me to go ahead and follow that or. I would like to do. Yes. <laughs> Jesse, Jesse, listen, I've listened to your show and I'm telling you, you're going to knock everything that I just said. <laughs> like it's mine's going to be a foul ball. You're going to hit it right in between the posts. Go ahead. <laughs> Um, thanks. Okay. So, um, I'll stay away from the bold political statements. Cause we all know how our listeners just really love when we get going on those crazy leftist viewpoints that some of you guys have. Um, I just, I absolutely think it's relevant today. Xenophobia is the main, um, theory, the main, um, thing that you get throughout the mainly the first season and then some into the second season and I haven't seen the rest so I won't speak for the rest of it but it's definitely um each episode I see parts that I'm like wow like that sometimes it just it's kind of discouraging because they're dealing with this 30 years ago and now like a lot of you guys have said it's just as relevant if not more relevant today than it was when they were doing the show so I 100% believe that this show is still relevant and I'm sure unfortunately it probably will be in another 50 60 years so so I think at this point first off thank you to the the three of you for chatting for a bit before we do kick you out uh I want to Thank you for joining us. And before we do kick you out, do you guys have anything you want to add? And Brent, if you want to give a plug to your show, and we'll put the link to all the shows down below too on our cast. So uh, if you want to do a little shameless plug in before you head out. Well, I'll go first. Uh, Babylon five for the first time. Um, You guys come over. It's me and Jeff. We are both brand new people to Babylon five. We've never seen it before. And what's possibly even more amazing, uh, or maybe not, because you got a bunch of them over here too, Scott, uh, is we're completely unspoiled. We have no idea what's coming down the pike, like none. And we're really doing our best to keep it that way for a 30-year-old show, especially when there's a lot of fans out there who are just so eager to be like, here's everything that happens. And we're like, stop. <laughs> um, so uh, yeah, so we're we're going along that journey And uh, what we are doing is is Jeff and I are two veteran Star Trek podcasters. And so what we've done, we have to own who we are. We can't pretend to be something we're not. So we're taking that analytical lens as Star Trek podcasters that we've gained. And we're applying that same lens to Babylon 5, trying to search it out and see what messages this show holds um, and how is it doing it different. And I got to tell you something I am starting to see about our show just like Babylon five has this arc that it's going on. I totally believe our podcast, the show Babylon five for the first time is on its own arc. And currently right now 
we have gone Londo. I don't, I don't know where you guys are. I don't want to spoil it for y'all, but we've, <laughs> we've, we've done what Londo has done. And uh, we're currently waiting for Londo to come back. So <laughs> you and John, both John keeps waiting for Londo to come back. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's gotta happen. But uh, until I think I'm just following his arc, honestly, is I think what's happening. Very sad. <laughs> yes guess he I likes agree. rubbing jo- john's face in it every time we record he's still evil john he's yeah, still evil yeah and i kind of like rubbing all of our listeners no i'm not i'm just joking i'm just joking it's a it's an honest opinion of where we are in the middle of the show right now and some people do you know okay i'm sorry i just <laughs> i cannot get over this somebody went out there and made a legitimate video that post a conspiracy theory that Jeff and I had been hired to crap all over the show as to tank the the pending reboot. What? Are you kidding? You guys are lucky. I want your kind of payday. Yeah, right? (laughs) No one's paid me yet. Right. (laughs) I'm just, hey, listen, I just want the kind of power and influence to be able to take a check to be able to tank something like that. It is just, it's, that just gives you a clue of how uh, I'm just going to say passionate. Some fans are. I love sci-fi fandom. I just, (laughs) Oh my God. I've been calling. It's the best and the worst. How many names have we been called Scott? Like I'm a cheerleader. I was a preppy cheerleader in high school that bullied all the the nerds. I'm an angry lesbian. There's like so many, I've so many names just because I open my mouth and I don't love everything about sci-fi all the time. The best thing is that you and Nicole sound alike, which is just funny to me since you don't. Since we don't at all. They want us and Emily all together. We're all just one, what they call the angry lesbian. We're one being. Yeah. But I will the the angry lesbian. That's we've been called that several times in the last couple in the last couple months Listen, and, uh, it's hilarious okay yeah, sorry that's fine. i've been diagnosed with tourette's so that's <laughs> that's fun that's fun uh but really as much as we joke about the fandom and there's some fun ones out there oh, i still amazing. say i i still say that the b5 fandom and the community that's around social media and everything is one of the nicest and yes. most motivated communities I've ever yes. seen. Uh, yeah. I'm looking at you, Star Wars people. You have some work to do. <laughs> no, I'm looking at you, We're Star for the Trek, Trek people. Trek people. Looking at you, yeah. Star Trek people. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I'm very. As somebody who also has to talk about Star way. Trek Discovery, let me tell you, they're not they're not the most loving when you say "yum yum's a silly line." They really don't <laughs> like it when you say that to them. The Trekkies, they don't. But I like what uh, Brent was saying about. You know, you get to the point like with season one, you're you're warming up. You go, okay. I know what my sci-fi TV standards are for those who aren't sci-fi TV. And the honeymoon phase of what that perception is eventually fades. And you realize what the show, what Babylon 5 itself is putting down. And then you, the viewer, if you're really wanting to, can play around with, okay, what makes this 90s sci-fi show different than the other big boys in the playground? So Jesse and Nicole... Oh, go ahead. Sorry, go ahead. Tim, no, go I was going to say, and in the 90s, there really was only one big boy in the playground, mm-hmm. and it was Star Trek. Oh, it wasn't you know, Space Above mid- and Beyond? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, sorry about that. I love that um, show, sorry. Yeah, I'm still waiting <laughs> for season two. I'm still waiting. We all are. Same here, same here. 
Um, so I completely lost my train of thought. So there we go. Star Trek was the big boy in town. <laughs> oh yeah, that was the big boy in town, right? And and so part of what drew me into B five just conceptually was this notion that there was this other show that was willing to play in that playground, right? That mm -hmm. somebody, you know, let's let's even just set Straczynski and his hard work and all he did to bring that show to life and bring the people into it. The fact that Warners, for whatever reason, decided to take a chance on this when there is Star Trek. And that was the thing, you know, Straczynski talked about as he shopped this around. People say, this is great, but Star Trek's just going to eat its lunch. Right. And and so that Warners not only took a chance on a show that wasn't Star Trek, they went ahead and greenlit a, a, a the series based on a pilot that was, frankly, so-so. Mm -hmm. That's um, nice. <laughs> you know, and 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 then through benign neglect, allowed Straczynski and and everybody involved in that show to make it what it is, so that it's an enduring series it's an enduring story and it's full of detail and links and foreshadowing and everything else that makes it rewatchable makes it binge worthy but also makes it great to go back to and i'm not being spoilerific that you know mm, i think no. about like the the battlestar galactica reboot which mm -hmm. i thought was was phenomenal as flawed as it was but i don't have any interest to go back and watch it again because i feel like I got everything I was going to get out of that story. Babylon 5, for me, even having watched it a dozen times, two dozen times, whatever it is, as much as it's shifted into that comfort food zone of viewing, there is still eventually, oh, yeah, there's that. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Right? Mm -hmm. And and there there's also a quality to it in terms of its tone and and you know, with that relevancy and, and, and for the newbies, this isn't really spoilerific. I think you can see where some of this is going right in terms of confronting xenophobia and con mm -hmm. confronting, you know, the, the nationalism and all that has, and, and unfortunately why that's still relevant, but it also says we can still forge bonds. We can make connections. We can do better than what we are doing. And so it, um, it, it it just continues for me to be a compelling story across all of that 30 years on. It's amazing that way. Mm -hmm. You know, and we're starting to get there now. I know a couple of our newbies are starting to rewatch season one. And uh, we had one per uh, Emily ask, cause the Rangers just got introduced for us a few episodes ago. <sighs> and Emily's like, where have I seen that costume before? I'm like, you saw it on the show. <laughs> They've been hanging <laughs> out in the background. You just didn't realize it. It's just yeah, little stuff that gets fed in. It's great. Well, that's that's the thing, and uh, we'll pass it over to the newbies, but the one thing about B5 that makes it stand out from a lot of the contemporaries, it's not alone. There's Twin Peaks as well, but it's a show that's asking, and you can tell it's asking you, g give it a rewatch. Go back and look how we put all this stuff on the ground, and we've actually been building something over the course of the series. Even if it's little, little, little details, it's asking you, Give us a watch again. Don't just, oh, we watched it one week and then the next week and then when it's done, we move on. It's a series from the 90s that said, hey, if you actually come back and watch it again, you'll get more out of it. Mm -hmm. And and to, sure. to that point, like there's something that Jeff and I have recently like realized and discovered 
um, is because what, like what people are wanting to do is they're wanting to go in and like when something happens, and I don't know if you guys have reached that spot here in grade 17, uh, but they're like, oh, remember way back when in the gathering, when this little thing popped up and there was that newspaper there, there was the headline and this is what it is here. And we're like, like Jeff and I are like, actually, you know what? We are going to do a second, like we're going to have Babylon five for the second time. <laughs> and please, nice. please don't spoil that because that's a completely different experience. True. Like mm -hmm. when, when we do know what all that is and I come back and we revisit techno mages, techno mages is one of the coolest ideas that I've seen in sci-fi in forever. And they wasted it and they blew it and they've done nothing with it. And the rest of that episode was just blah. And I promise <laughs> you, because I know how this works, we're going to go back and watch that after knowing what all have. Honestly, now that I'm thinking about it right here, here's the realization knowing what happens with Londo, knowing the conversation he had with Londo back then. Now I understand it, but I didn't understand it then. In having that realization to go back and go, oh my God, it was right here the whole time. Jesse, I want you to talk to this because you texted uh, the group today about a, a light bulb going off. Tell them. <laughs> I was driving. I'm at my parents' house. So you see a different background than you usually do. Um, I was driving and I was listening to our podcast from two or three episodes ago and they were talking about some dream sequence where the sun had the hand coming out and I literally was like oh my god you're the hand and I, like, <laughs> I sent it to the group and I was like shit it's starting to click so yeah it's 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 much more enjoyable to go back I started watching the gathering and as a newbie I fucking hated the gathering and I was I was like this is the stupidest show I've ever seen. I don't know what I'm doing. I'm starting to question my life choices. And then <laughs> as I went back and watched it the second time, I'm like, oh, this is a lot more enjoyable at this point than it was the first time. So, yeah. There's a hole in your mind. <laughs> okay, before we, before we kick Brent, Jesse, and Nicole out, Nicole, you got anything else you want to add? Yeah, just a couple little things to kind of piggyback off what um, Brent and Jesse were saying and some of the other people. Uh, the cool thing to me, I think, about the show is like, we're kind of fed these little nuggets along the way. So like looking back at the first season, we had a lot of questions, right? And then some of those questions have been answered in the second season. But then I feel like JMS gives you another thing that you want to question. So I feel like it's like almost like a give and take, like a game, you know, he'll give us a little and then he'll take and then he'll give us a little and then he'll make us question more. Um, so it's satisfying and fulfilling to get those questions answered, but it's also frustrating because I want to know so much more, you know? So mm -hmm. I think that really keeps me intrigued in the show and interested. Um, and it's just quality, good writing. It's just, it's really good. You know, the stories have been really good. Um, and one of the other really cool things I think is, as granted, we have been called names and nobody can tell us girls apart. I really do think the community and the fans and even you guys being here is a testament to how, yes. you know, passionate and kind and embracing and empathetic that the fan base is. And mm -hmm. I've witnessed other shows that just had straight up dicks for fans. You know what I mean? <laughs> so it's really refreshing to see this community because I feel like even, especially as a newbie, I almost feel like at the beginning, I was like a little bit of an imposter, you know, because 
I don't know shit about sci-fi. And there's a lot of tropes that people will talk about. And I've never seen an episode of Star Trek. I know. I've only seen the movies with um, Chris Pine. I, I don't know anything about it. So it's for okay. me, yeah, I definitely DS9 have... is in your future, Nicole. <laughs> but I Nicole, definitely have I got the perfect podcast to lead you through that whole series. Oh, yeah. Is, not is have to yours? go 800 episodes deep <laughs> uh, and give you a full overview of what's going All on. Right, I got, the, I got the perfect one. I got perfect. You. I got you. <laughs> but, you know, I just think it's really cool that like people have been, you know, for the most part, we've got the jerks, but like for the most part, everyone's been really cool about like. Great embracing us and and communicating and and accepting kind of what we you know what we see because here's the thing we only know what we know we don't know what's in the beyond and i think that's really exciting for some people who know because they're like haha just wait or ooh you have no clue you know so it's almost like i feel like it's kind of a gift to people who have seen it because it's like showing them something through fresh eyes if that makes sense so i really value the opportunity of being able to do this because i feel like not only is it exciting and a great experience for me but tim you've seen babylon 5 how many times maybe you'll hear me say something that you're like dang you know i never thought of that or you know and i think that for me that's really cool and we've had people tell us like that we've given them you know, a fresh perspective on things. And I really just love that aspect. So um, yeah, I just, I'll stop geeking out, but I just really, it's been such a great experience. And I really just, I'm so excited to see what happens and and finalize the show and then go back and rewatch everything and be like, wow, I'm a dumbass. I can't believe I thought that, you know? <laughs> That's what I'm looking forward to the most. I bet. Is when you When you guys go back and listen to Beyond the Rim and get really pissed at us, that's what I'm looking forward to the most. Like, ah, all right. Well, we'll go ahead and say goodbye to Jesse, Nicole and Brent so we can talk some spoilers, but thank you guys so much. Again, if you want to check out Jesse and Nicole, they're on gray 17 with me, gray 17 podcast link is below, at least for our show. And then Brent is with Babylon five for the first time. Again, link is below. If you're listening on our feed and uh, thanks guys, it's been fun. Uh, we definitely, I've said this last time, but this cannot be the last time we get together. I think uh, maybe around San Diego Comic-Con, maybe. We'll see what happens. At San Diego Com. Oh, I like that it. idea even more. Let's go. I like that <laughs> idea even more. Okay. I'm, really, just, I'm really excited oh, for you all. Newbies together to have our own panel. No spoilers. Oh, hell Thank yes. Let's do yeah. it. I just want to say thank you to everybody here. You guys have been amazing. I know that we, we joke about, like Nicole said, I just want to mirror it real quick. Um, we joke about all the haters that we have, but I have by far had a thousand times more people be welcoming and accepting of us yeah. than we have of people being rude and nasty. So I, mm -hmm. you guys included, this is the second time that we've met most of you and you guys are awesome. Thank you for entertaining us and keeping us part of the whole program. So. Yeah, I agree. I'm so jealous of the journey you have ahead of you yes, right now. <laughs> really, I'm I'm very excited for you for where it goes. And I, I just want to say, and I think I've said it last time, but I'm excited for you. I have a hard time listening to these podcasts only because I just sit here going, you guys have no idea, right? And it's just, it's just like the frustration within me. And it's all me. It's nothing to do with you guys, sure, right? Sure. It's just like, I, I just get so wound up. I can't, I just. I'm the guy who has to I'm keep excited a poker face while they're doing all this. He does I, it all you, day long. I'm right. like, yeah. Wow, that's amazing. Jesse, yeah, Jesse, I, for one, I for one can't wait to hear what moment it was 
when you jumped up off the sofa and said, holy shit, no way. <laughs> yeah. There's several the car today. <laughs> Brent, what do you got? Je- Je- well, this is just, this is for Jesse and Nicole. Um, when you guys hear stuff like that, does that, does that like give you warm fuzzies? Like it yes, does yes. because you're like, you're like, uh, oh, I can't, I can't believe, you know, I just, I'm so excited to see you get there. And then there's yeah. also a little bit of you like, I'm going to slow roll this every bit. I can. You have so much faith in me and I (laughs) like, I'm so excited, but like at the same time, I just hope, I hope that it gives me the joy that it gives to you guys. Cause like, I I think I said this last time, um, the joy on Tim's face, every single time he talks about it, just like it warms my cold, dark heart. So like, it just, (laughs) like, I, I, the, the fact that you guys, sit and do a podcast about a show that's 30 years old is the only reason that I agreed to do this because Scott said, no, 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 there's people that will listen to us. And I didn't believe it. I was like, we're going to have five people that listen. And now we have thousands of people that listen to us and comment with us and, you know, make fun of of us with us. And, you know, (laughs) for us, like we have memes made about us. Like, it's just the coolest shit. Like the, the people that are nasty don't even like we joke, but like, it it doesn't even phase us. Like we, Mm -hmm. we laugh about it and like, we make fun of them, but like, we don't, it's the, the love and the acceptance and the fact that you guys are just as excited for us. That makes it all worth it. So absolutely. Totally agree. Well said. That's awesome. And we're, we have a little side chat going, talking about a post-mortem podcast. Oh, yeah. You guys get through season five. Yeah. So that yes. we'll have to get down the books in about two years. But thank you, guys. <laughs> we're going to go ahead and eject Bye, you out the airlock because I know these first ones want to have some discussions about the 30th thank anniversary, you. too. So thanks nice so much, guys, guys, and we'll chat soon. Bye, guys. Hey, everyone. It's Scott. This is your spoiler warning. If you have not watched Pastor We Are in Grey 17, which is about season two and a half, you should exit now because we are going to start talking about the entire five-year run and beyond of Babylon 5. So thanks for joining us if you don't want to get spoiled and if you are okay with being spoiled or if you've already watched the show hundreds of times like we have, here we go. Along. And if you have not watched past where those two shows are, you have three, two, one, Sinclair's Valen and Sheridan's the president of the galaxy. Okay, here we go. <laughs> wow, boom. No boom today, but definitely boom tomorrow. That was quick. Yeah. Um, okay, right. so I All just right, want to jump in. I just want to jump okay. in and say when they're talking about, oh, yeah, like it's so relevant because of the home garden. I'm sitting there going, again, you guys have no, no idea. idea. Right. And, and here's the thing, and I think there's in the side chat, it was mentioned, but one of the things that really fascinated me by the time the show is finished, once you get through season, well, actually the end of season four with the deconstruction of falling stars, right. Is that one of the big differences from star Trek is that earth humans are ultimately the bad guys. And and the fact that, that JMS never, I mean, there are humans in the show who are good, who are our heroes, but Earth, the mm-hmm. big notion of Earth, mm. it's but, it's bad and it cooks itself. And then, you know, and it's like basically a post-apocalyptic wasteland that the rest of the galaxy is trying to shepherd along secretly. That to me was 
I mean, as all for all the real mind breaking plot twists that that show has ultimately that's the one for me that's just like wow he never he never shifted that he never soft pedaled it that's where that went boom the end really that's really brave storytelling i think yeah they're not just a one-off baddies either like in star trek it's like (laughs) oh well there's the evil admiral who's a wild card but it's not really and we were talking about this on our podcast because we also look at modern star trek as well and modern star trek actually wants to do the the system is corrupt and broken but the difference is uh babylon like jms specifically he has something to say about that it's not just it's bad like star trek picard is like oh Boo! Evil, but Babylon Five has many, Season many things better. to say. Like we just yeah. did um, a recording of the illusion of truth, and that episode alone can sustain nearly two hours of conversation about these issues because the writer behind it actually has many, many, many points of view to dispense mm-hmm. in just a singular episode. Let alone five whole seasons and a bunch of movies and a spinoff series. Yeah, and he why... also. Mm-hmm. I'm sorry. Go ahead, Summer. Mm-hmm. It's like, that's what I try to point out to people when they have trouble getting through season one. I say, look at season one as a whole. It's feeding you breadcrumbs, getting you used to uh, having a storytelling arc without a reset button being pressed at the end of every episode. You see Mm -hmm. people get injured and they're still hurt in the next two episodes. You see uh, fallout from somebody who, who died, you know, people are still grieving that person two episodes later, three episodes later, you have several people dealing with various mental issues and addictions that lasts throughout the entire series. Yeah. Yeah. And, and yeah, that's think- real life. That's, that's, you know, ju- you know, not just humanity in the case of Babylon five, but yeah, we aren't living in a utopia in the 2200s. We are fallible human beings and we still got a long ways to go. We haven't figured it out yet. Mm-hmm. I think we owe a bit of that to, to the very rigid annual story structure. Mm-hmm. that the show mm-hmm. adheres to and i know i've been on team reboot change everything for forever <laughs> uh, but that is something i hope the reboot doesn't change to be perfectly honest because having that sense of time passing in the story through the seasons each being taking place over a exact calendar year yes uh is mm-hmm. so well except for the season four finale i guess whatever um anyways uh that uh that structure lends so much to enforcing that and allowing us to live in a space with these characters because we as humans have an understanding of time and what can happen to a person in a year. And so to live that over effectively bi-weekly, you know, uh, 26-ish episodes a season, that's half of a year we get. So to have that kind of spread out over that course of time and it be to be rigid like that, I think is one of the things that really lends itself to that show making those decisions. Uh, That's an excellent point. And I think the other thing that goes hand in hand with that is we see the characters make their choices. Mm. And this is why it's drama and not action adventure is because 
all the characters are in situations where they have to make choices and then live with the ramifications of those choices. And as, as you point out, because it's this, you know, January 1st to December 31st, and we all know I've made a choice last week. I can't go back and change that, right? Again, back to no reset button. And the thing that's great, and like Garibaldi's arc is the no most obvious example, but um, he's sober in the middle of season one, right? He falls off the wagon, but sobers up, tries to help Franklin. By, by the time season five comes along, he's back at it again with the drink, right? So there's this whole, and he makes that decision. He, you know, everything that happens, even with what Bester does with him, which fucks with him and would fuck mm -hmm. with anybody, but he still makes the choice, and then he still has to live with that and the ramifications of that and how it, uh, that's why to me this is like one of the most realistic science fiction shows as much as star trek and and I don't want to you know make this so much compare and contrast but while star trek they're great characters and you feel them as friends but with the b5 characters they feel like living people and mm -hmm. you can relate to the foibles and the mistakes and that knowledge of oh man yeah i'm i just made the deal with the devil right and how do i go back on that right like londo he can't untangle himself from that he, as hard as he tries yeah i want to rewind just a real quick to you mentioned deconstruction of falling stars and a good to brent's point where B5 is going, it is giving us a pathway to where we can better ourselves rather than just saying we're going to be better. But I still love that at the end of everything in deconstruction, we as humans make it. We become the next level. It takes a long time, but that's the whole point is we are building towards something hopeful. And that's what I miss about sci-fi nowadays for the most part is, I mean, how many times do I have to watch a zombie show where everyone dies? Uh, I, like I don't the watch idea, zombie shows. Yeah, I, I for like that the reason. idea that we can, we, we, it may take a long time. We're going to lose some people along the way, but we're going to get there. And I really do well, appreciate that too. I, I, I personally like how there's a, um, a grit and cynicism in Babylon 5 as well where – yeah, we make it, but we're following, we become the ancient ones, right? We become the Vorlons in a way. And Babylon 5 is always going back to history, repeats itself. We're in a cyclical nature. We just go through this. And that's one of the things I actually like. Yes, it's all great to be sci-fi optimism and things of that nature. But I actually like how Babylon 5 most of the time says... Yeah, you have to actually earn that. And humanity probably won't earn that for a long period of time. Historically speaking, we suck and we probably would suck continuously. And I, I, I particularly like that. I just want to ask uh, our gray sector guys, because I, I want to hear a bit more from Joe particularly about uh, what you guys get out of Babylon 5 in terms of this relevancy, because I like listening to your podcast where you guys have a definite uh, comedy lean to how you guys break things down. A lot of they wear funny hats in the background, which is my favorite <laughs> thing ever. It's my my favorite thing ever, but I, I'm just curious of what you guys think of Babylon 5 when it comes to its relevancy, its legacy, and where it stands. Well, I, I, I find myself agreeing with you. I, I like the way that Babylon 5 takes on issues in a realistic manner. Um, you know, other science fiction series that 
other people have talked about in this podcast have have um you know tend to tend to be more utopian and um and babylon 5 you know like we just watched the the one about the marcab plague and i you know it's just it's just scary like this is exactly how people reacted to the pandemic exactly you know he's and how they he's, reacted to the aids epidemic i mean yeah, that's the yeah, thing that's it's, frightening it's, about it it's, it's past that, yeah. it's past and it's predictive oh. and it's you know I, I i like that sort of you know realistic you know addressing of you know the actual problems that humanity is gonna is facing will face and that we haven't solved yet and that's sort of what science fiction is about trying to solve the problems you know that's if you if you go in and say well everything's perfect you know we've solved all the major issues then what is there really to talk about yeah there's fun abstract ethical questions to talk about which is what tng does for seven seasons right but but um but yeah going back to earlier what what tim said and we talked about this in one of our episodes i don't remember which one um uh in season one uh, the difference between a game changer and a cliffhanger which mm -hmm. I think Lonnie Diane Rich is the one who came up with this. Sarah is the one that mentioned it in that particular episode, whichever the hell episode it was. But uh, you know, and the and the perfect example being the best of both worlds is your classic cliffhanger, right? Like, like you set up all this stuff and there's all this drama and you go to the edge and then Riker says fire and the question is, oh, what's going to happen? And the problem with cliffhangers, right, is that everything goes back to where it was pretty much. Um, there really isn't a lot of change. That is the definition of every episode of TNG, right? Our fun characters that don't really change, they reset every episode. I don't even know what year it is in TNG in any season. It doesn't matter. It's never mentioned. It never comes up. It's it's like barely ever addressed, right? The concept of passage of time, whether we're in season seven or season one, it doesn't matter in TNG, right? Or in most Star Trek right it, there there isn't a plot arc versus a, a game changer is you know londo making a deal with morden at the end of season one londo making a deal with morden in the coming of shadows and veer saying don't do this right you're going to lead us to war and londo going i have to do it even though he really doesn't right he makes the choice to do it right. and mm -hmm. and then things change everything changes londo's fucking jacket changes right like like every everything's just got there right? yeah <laughs> nothing's the, the same he, anymore nothing's the same anymore right like londo has a much better looking tailored jacket through most of seasons two three and four right but it's in purple dark. stunning come on yeah dark <laughs> evil like londo <laughs> goes from like lawful neutralish in the beginning of season one to like chaotic evil by yes. by season two episode nine right like mm -hmm. he's chaotic evil like he is he except is, he isn't he doesn't that's the thing that i mean he doesn't want to be that whole thing right well yeah. right but that's it but he he follows he's even when he tries to get himself off that path the hooks are in too deep and all it yep. takes is Morden in the shadows to poison adira Yep. And yep. then he's back to the whole place. I don't care. Let it all burn. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. And, and, and to your, to your point, Mike, about game changers, the thing is that Babylon five has game changers. It seems like every, every episode, episode right. Yeah. It Londo makes the deal, right. Jakar takes dust to try to, to exact his revenge and then has, the basically the religious come you know the the, the scales epiphany. at damascus kind of thing is a, yeah. his epiphany um sheridan confronts kosh 
to say, look, we're tired of just being your pawns. You need to do something. And mm -hmm. Kosh recognizes, he knows what the cost is, right? And does it. That's a game changer when Kosh is off the board all of a sudden, right? And they, the yeah. game and the changer. Show, yeah, and when, the show knows how to do game changes on the character level. See, it's yeah. easy enough to look at it at all these big things. But like one of my favorite episodes is when Franklin confronts himself. And that's like a big thing yes to yeah not just yeah. what um shadow dancing but walkabout is okay. the start of that right but yeah, yeah i like he has to make the choice to actually listen to his internal struggles and actually confront them and move on and take accountability but one of the what we keep circling around to is this realism and I think for many people, like I would imagine maybe for people like Nicole or people who are the outside of the sci-fi genre, there is a distancing element from how um, geeky and nerdy, but also uh, inhuman it can be. I can never recommend TNG to anyone who hasn't already given up their lives to Star Trek because... You have, you have to ask them, watch 50, 50 to 60 episodes to hopefully get good ones. And most of the characters are these uh, people who kind of represent people, but they're, they're something else. And what I like about B5 is how deeply human it is. And that's also what I liked about Space Above and Beyond. It was also a show about people, sad people, but people nonetheless. And that's why I like... I mentioned Franklin. I actually like Franklin as a character. A lot of newbies don't like Franklin as a character because he's not nice. He's not the nice doctor man. He's not He's not Beverly Crusher. He's an asshole. Um, he's selfish, um, but he's also flawed and arrogant. And all of those things are juxtapositions to all the good things. And that's what we love about Londo. Londo's a funny guy and he can be a good dude sometimes, but also he's, an, he's, a, he's a nationalist. He, he wants to rule the world and the galaxy because of all of these ideas that if you just said... His ideas are make such and such great again. That would repel most people, but you have to have mm -hmm. a season or two of him being a loser, being a guy that you feel sorry for, even though all of those things are in the gathering from the very beginning. That's what I love about the gathering is even though it's corny, has pacing problems, all a lot of these character things from Sinclair being a guy who wants to be the good leader, but also wants to die uh, to Jakar being this mischievous man who wants to have all these plans, but also somebody who is still bitter about having been a slave. All of that's in The Gathering. All of that is in this TV movie from 30 years ago. Yeah. The thing about Lando that I always found the most interesting is he is inarguably the worst person on the in the show. Like he does, he's straight up commits genocide. Like he is a terrible person. But he is also the best at being a friend on the show in a lot of ways. Uh, in a, like he's very good at relating to people on a very interpersonal, singular level. Yeah. Like when it is the two people interacting, he does a lot of very small things for a lot of people. And they are very f good gestures as a friend. And it's something that makes that endears you to him in a lot of ways. It just makes the knife turn even more when he's launching asteroids and fucking. Yeah. He, he even we're, makes we're, a, a friend of his of his worst enemy. Yes. Yeah, 
Yes, yes. I love that scene. But we're, we're about ready to record our discussion of Acts of Sacrifice. And even though Londo has literally killed thousands of people already. Uh, hundreds he's of dead. thousands. He, dead. He's, dead. He, he's, dead. he's dead. sitting. Well, we're not there yet, but he's. <laughs> He's sitting there in the bar just waiting for Garibaldi to show up and the bartender has to tell him it's time to go. I'm like, oh, Londo's yeah. alone. But, yeah, yeah, but he deserves well, it. That's the funny well, that's but, thing that makes that's... it worth it is he deserves to be alone sure. because the show, even yes. though we, yes. the audience, may like him, yes. the show says it's wrong. This is wrong. And that's why something like his ending is beautiful because even though he's made all of this personal growth and we've followed it across five seasons, mm-hmm. his actions cannot be forgiven in in a certain way from a uh, show's moralistic standpoint. You yep. can't have him just ride off into the sunset. You can't have him uh, enter a dimension and then everyone gives a eulogy saying, oh, he wore killer boots. He's so awesome, like they do with <laughs> George O in Star Trek Discovery. You can't do that because... There is... The, when, you, when you think about sleeping in light hmm. and, you know, they're all doing the toasts uh, and here with... I, I know I'm already, I'm already starting to get verklempt. And and Veer says, basically, I know he did a lot of bad stuff, but I miss him. You know, and that's really that's what's really fascinating about, about Babylon Five through all of this. And and I think when Veer tells, you know, when Londo sets foot on that path and sends Veer to go find Morden to 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 make the attack at at Ragesh, um, and Veer's telling him, "Don't do it." He's telling him not because necessarily you're going to start a war. It's that you are going to lose friends. You are going to lose people who care about you because these, like you said, these are the decisions that, you know, that scene in, uh, um, I want to say it's the coming of shadows. I can't really, uh, forgive me. I've, the the episode escapes me, but it is it is with the 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 uh, the mass drivers and Londo comes back to the station mm-hmm. to call the 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 thing and he meets Garibaldi at the meeting room and the tension between yeah. them is so yeah. palpable, right? It's amazing. It's just it's just it's just incredible. And I know what we were trying to talk about is the the you know the relevance of B5 and you know at first when we talked about this being the theme I'm thinking of the political things which shockingly are more relevant. I remember watching all the stuff yes. with with Nightwatch in the 90s going well I get it I know what he's trying to say but I'm so glad we don't have that now. And then like 4 years ago I'm like going holy crap it's starting. It feels. Um, I think I said it in chat. It feels more relevant in the last five years than it did. Say, I mean, we can all have our opinions on George W. Bush, but in two (laughs) thousand six or two thousand eight or two thousand ten, we didn't feel like this. Yes, right, right. We didn't feel this was relevant. But, but I want to say this. Hold on. Let me speak for yourself. (laughs) Let me let me let me finish this one thought because I think what I'm hearing though is we're talking about this the relevancy that still remains in Babylon Five are these compelling three-dimensional characters with whom we can all find greatness within and deep, deep flaws within, mm-hmm. you know, and even that's everything. Delenn, that's the whole show, that, every right. character, every race, every plot point, the Vorlons are saving us, but only if you stay in line, humans they're are the heroes, but they're also the fucking worst. Like it's mm. everything, right? Everything the, has a dichotomy in Babylon five. Lanier, that's, that's Lanier is the yeah. patient. He's the, the patient right-hand man 
But he's an incel, yeah. But he's an right. Yes, no, that perfect. That's exactly it. And and it's into that. And and that's and that's one of the relevant things is I know a lot of people, first-time viewers, one of our good friends, the last best Babylon Five podcast, really don't like Lanier the incel. And personally, I'm finding it rather interesting to watch something like that be in a modern lens because I think a lot more shows now critique the type of character Lanier is they 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 drill down on that a lot more whether you find it is well done is not what I'm getting at but that type of commentary about this particular nice guy character was not something that I was at all familiar with when watching shows uh, in that time period, especially science fiction shows. Uh, and so, yeah, a lot of people don't like where Linnea goes, but I find that interesting to look at now. And there's just so many elements of B5 like that, where from a modern lens, from relevancy standpoint of looking at serialized shows and prestige dramas. There's just so many character types here that rely on you also knowing what the standard of that genre is. Like I said, Dr. Franklin, you think of like the doctor character man, and yet he's not that. And I think that's a part of the joy is they're not that. Like Sheridan, he's Mr. Smiley, happy-go-lucky Captain Man, but he's more than that. And I think that is one of the things that keeps it relevant is just they present you with an idea of all of these characters. And then they tell you, actually, perhaps they're not like that. Not everyone is who they appear to be. <laughs> and not everyone's one dimensional, right? Yeah, yeah as, sure. as you were saying, right? Like, like each character has the pros and the cons, the things that we love about them, the things that we hate about them. Yes, Londo and Jakar have a really interesting plot arc, sort of like two planets rotating around each other throughout the whole five seasons. But every other character has... Well, except maybe Ivana, but she's kind of perfect. But, um, you know, like every other character has, um, I say this as being extremely gay, but Ivanova is really kind of a perfect character. But but like every other character has their pluses, their minuses, their, their, their amazingness and their drawbacks, right? Franklin is sanctimonious and prissy and full of himself and arrogant because he's brilliant, like, but he's brilliant and he saves lives and he, you know. He has like morals. Yes, he has, yeah. he has morals, which he will beat you over the head with, right? Yeah, absolutely, right? Like, it's, yeah, and and so many other characters, they're, they're three-dimensional in a way that a lot of characters in sci-fi are not, right? That's, when it that's what I would to, say. Yeah, when it comes to the, the political stuff of it, I do remember being younger and, you know, having a, a background with a Polish family, just nodding along, going, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, with all the Nightwatch stuff and all of that. I'm like, yeah, 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 yeah seen this been there and even though younger i looked at the armbands and i went nah, okay a little That's on a the nose much. there <laughs> yeah a little bit much right joe and i we were recording recent we were times recent this. times proved yeah. otherwise recent Boy, yeah, we were just, yeah, otherwise. We were just totally. saying that seems over that heavy-handed that's a little bit uh, well, yeah over at the, the time back, back in the 90s yeah it felt was, it felt a bit re- silly right but remember yeah, but that not anymore good. Yeah, yeah, anymore. Anymore, but also, but also rewinding back a little bit, and uh, JMS dealt with this shit. He had a father who had a Nazi uniform in a glass case hanging on the wall in their house, mm-hmm. and he realized JMS didn't realize this was a huge thing because he was just growing up with it until he brought a Jewish friend home. 
And the mm. Jewish friend said, I'm not coming back to your house. So right. yeah, it's, it's over the top. Wow. But mm. yeah, read his book. Yeah, we need to yeah, read the his, book. His autobiography is actually yeah. really, really good. But that's yeah. the thing. But that's the thing about fascism. It can creep up. It can loom. It can slowly bleed its way in. But once it's there, all the subtlety is out the window. It's right up front. It's telling you what it is, right. Right. and people uh, either accept it, fight it, or just stick their head in the sand and pretend it isn't there. And that's one of the things about Babylon Five is you spend basically mm. four seasons watching most of the characters grit their teeth and go, mm, I don't like it. And sometimes they fight, sometimes they don't. One of my favorite things about Besta as a character is actually the char- the our crew, a part of their job is to talk to an SS officer, basically. Like they just sit there and go, yeah, I'm talking to a Nazi. That's just how my job is. And that's was, just one of the things that the show says, <laughs> yeah, that happens. Okay, yeah, no, there, okay. was an, there was an anecdote on the JMS forums. JMS himself posted that... I think it was an aide or it might've been them themselves, but said that Rove and Cheney were huge fans of the show and they wanted to let him know how much they loved the show. And he said, he thought to himself, I didn't mean it as a blueprint guys. Yeah. <laughs> it kind of reminds well, me and I'm going to yeah, get that's myself crazy, in trouble. That's crazy. It, it reminds me of the, the certain folks on the Facebook chats and stuff now who are like, well, I just hope the reboot won't be woke. I'm like, uh, did you ever watch Babylon Fire? Yeah. Did you watch let's the original? Not, like, yeah. hello. <laughs> well, one of the, you know, and one of the things that's really striking about that is that uh, what JMS portrayed was the banality of evil, right? That mm-hmm. that when Nightwatch comes in, it isn't mustache twirling guys going, yeah, ha, ha, you'll all do what I want. Now it's like, look, you're already walking around the station, Zach, keeping an eye on stuff, right? All we're yeah. asking you to do is to tell us as well as your boss, and you'll yeah. get an extra 50 bucks in your paycheck. And, okay. you know, cops, cops are yeah. already kind of... Uh, a screwed up system. So why don't you just keep, oh, nasty. keep doing what you're yeah. doing, but with just a little bit more, a uh, little bit more intolerance in it. Okay. Just, just a little bit. Okay. Right. And, 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 yeah. and they ratchet that up until, uh, until again, Zach is like, he starts to go, Oh, this, there's something really wrong. And then they're like, again, back to this point, that's where they're beating him on the hammer, but it isn't at the beginning. He's they're like, Look, Zach, here's the thing. It's right and wrong. Do you want to be on the side of right or be on the side of wrong? And at that point, they've already twisted the notion of what is right and wrong to mean you're either with us or against us. They and rewrote the dictionary, yeah. Right, mm-hmm. right. And the whole thing with, with uh, Julie Mustaine, when she comes to the station, right? We don't have homeless. It's like, and Sheridan's like, you can't talk your way out of the problem. And her whole thing is, well, look, you've got to change how you talk about the problem before you can really address the problem and it's mm-hmm. like again 30 years on now it's like yeah <laughs> like jms said it wasn't meant to be her. a blueprint Ooh, you know yeah. but here we are and that's and mm-hmm. and again that's the banality of evil so guys yeah. we can talk about how amazing this show is for a while and i hope mm-hmm. we continue to talk about it seven eight years i mean yeah we've individually at least recorded <laughs> a 100 yeah. hours of pop or something on it oh, so if yeah. not getting much there, more so but so i, I do want to because we're, we're running close on time here and i do want to talk about what's next for babylon 5 and we've talked the reboot to death and as of last week with jms's patreon post if you're on his patreon re- reboot ain't dead but i think we don't have much more to talk about but i would love to talk to you guys 
about the secret project that's in the can. Uh, I have been trying to drag information out from certain cast members and they are sworn to secrecy, but I would love to hear from you guys what you think or what you hope we get to hear about here come July. Okay, Lost so Tales I have to ask this. Drama. Scott, I have to I'm ask you, which, which cast members have you talked to? Uh, I have there's talked... a clue right there. Well, it's all the surviving cast. We know that. Oh, okay. Uh, and the reason why we know that is because Claudia Christian may have released a picture she wasn't supposed to. <laughs> <laughs> that Good had all of the surviving cast together in 2021 uh, hanging out. So Bill Moomy, Peter, Claudia, Bruce, uh, Patricia, they're, they were all there. Well, now that's... No, Tracy Scoggins? Because if... if if Lanier is in the picture, because see, I was I was under the impression that it was going to be mm. after. But if Lanier is in the picture, wouldn't that have to put it in the time frame of the telepath war? Unless we actually get the end of the character assassination that was Lanier at the end of the series. <laughs> I'm just saying. <laughs> but uh, you, I'm, think, I, you think it's going to be a continuation of the series? They're I all think, so old. Like, how do you go? You can't. Yeah, it can't yeah, be think, that. You know, here, here, Sheridan's here, really old. Here's my guess, and I. It's just <laughs> they're all I have, really old. I have I have no I have no inside information. I wish I did. My guess is you look at like um, what Big Finish is doing for Doctor Who, and you've already said this. I think it's audio drama. I think it is a scripted story with the returning cast and they sat around a table in 2021 with microphones and they read a script. Which and, I think, and, I, and I think it will, I agree with that, but I also think it will be um, as canon and continuity as any of the TNT standalone films are, mm. which is to say, <laughs> or the well, Lost Tales. Kind of, ish. yeah, or the Lost, ish. Yeah, exactly. Con con continuity, ish. That's, that's yes. one interview I wish I could have gotten. Uh, the, the real story from Yvonne Navarro about what happened to the, the novelization Oh God! She was she was contracted to write that JMS threw out that never happened. Some and of I those novels her, are crazy though. Like I some of that her, shit is yeah. I asked her in person at a con in Tucson, and keeping in mind that that woman trained in Krav Maga, when she got the look in her eyes, it said, "I like you, but never ask me that again." I'm like, okay. There's a pain. <laughs> There's a pain there. Um. Oh I no, was that wasn't pain. That was that was pure hatred. That was oh yeah. Ask me that, or I will break your arm. I keep forgetting about the secret project, honestly, and maybe I'm just cold and cynical because of the later parts of B five. I'm not a Crusade fan. I don't like any of the movies particularly, and I and I I don't I really didn't like the Lost Tales. So yeah, if it's an audio thing, my biggest thing is I just hope it's not um, embarrassing. That's the yeah. thing I would really hope. I just hope it's not cringy and embarrassing because that's how I feel about some of the later parts of B5. Like, look, I, I like the idea, like, I like the sentiment behind the Lost Tales, but I'm, I'm afraid of watching it for the podcast. Like, I'm afraid that that's our final discussion <laughs> on this podcast will be the Lost Tales because it will make me bummed out. And I so I just don't want whatever this cast reunion thing to be to be something that's a bummer. I think mm. that it won't be enough to be a bummer. 
I am expecting three 15 to 20 minute stories, just like Lost Tales is set up, mm. where it will just be something new and there won't be enough of it to make a difference in anything. Whether or not it's canon won't matter because at that point, we'll probably know if a reboot's going to happen or not, even if it doesn't. Um, it will just be something to be a little bit more in celebration of what was, much more so than it. I don't think it's going to be any kind of like, oh, well, this was a thing the entire time. Like, I don't expect any kind of dramatic plot movement at all. Um, it'll just be probably, honestly, it'll probably be about the characters seeing each other after a long time. You know, I think you're right, but I'll add one little piece to that. I truly think this is going to be JMS's goodbye to this universe. I yeah. think uh, as not only is he potentially going to do a reboot, whatever with that, I mean, he, he's he's said what he wants to say about this version of Babylon 5 regardless, but I think he's he's very, I don't want, I don't know the best term, but he recognizes the people we have lost along the way. And he has said before he really, it hurts him that he was not able to work with some of these people again. So I, I think he's potentially wrote something that is, you know, uh, this is how I want to end this. This is how I want to say goodbye to these characters, much like sleeping in the light and light mm -hmm. already did. Yep. But I think, I think I agree with you. It's not going to be like earth shattering, but it's going to be a nice goodbye. It's, it, I think it's going to feel a lot like the Citadel DLC from Mass Effect 3. Which is uh, awesome, by the way. Uh, <laughs> it's the one of the best parts of that game, which is... It is. <laughs> not I like bar. Mass Effect 3, I will say it now. Yeah, so. you like Star Trek Picard, so that's not a shock. Just so, season 3. Um, oh. I just like season 3, which you all have seen. It's only been yet. one episode. I've seen oh, six. Oh no, someone's oh, got, oh, someone gets screeners, which mm -hmm. I gotta ask you about. I, I have a I have a way. Okay. <laughs> and it's a legal way. I want to point that out. Well, um, but we'll no, have I've to seen, have another conversation. Tim, yeah, yeah, we no. need to. Tim, I have seen the first six episodes. It is the next generation's undiscovered country. Flat. I don't believe you, and I will never believe okay. you. Okay. I mean, I've been I mean, told that Star Trek Picard's been good before, and it was alive. So I'm, I never I'm, said I Star Trek Picard was good. I never there said are that before, a couple though, so. episodes in the first season in the first half of the first season that aren't oh, terrible. Oh, hold on, hold on, guys. We need, hold on, stop. We need to have a whole other podcast yes, about we do. that. And I would really <laughs> love to because I have opinions. Tim, Blake uh, and I are doing an after show. You are welcome to join us sometime. Oh, yeah, let me know. Okay, we'll have to, we'll take this off the thing. So, yes. Okay, anybody else? What do you think? <laughs> Anyone disagree? I, I'm, mm. I think I'm on the audiobook train. Anyone else disagree? So yeah, the secret project. I, I'm hoping for a TV movie that features a surviving cast. I suspect it's documentary like DS9s and what we left behind. But I hope there's one final tale in the original Babylon Five universe before the reboot. Um, you know, without you know, can't, can't share too much. But recent Patreon updates just there is still some hope for the reboot. You know, I think it's going to happen in some form because if it was if it was a no, if it was a definite no, the studios would have said so by now. That's why I'm kind of holding out hope. Audio no, drama makes the most it's sense. Be an audio drama, yeah. Yeah. yeah I didn't think about that until you mentioned it. Um, yeah. But yeah, I think I agree. I think that's the most likely. Well, yeah, the I other think big there theory are some is people okay, right. who were wondering because JMS was scrounging around for, was it the C CGI from the original show? They were like, hey, do you guys have the files for this? I need this for something. And people were like, well, what was that for then? 
Um, so I think that's one, one of the reasons yeah. people want it to be something more than just an audio yeah. thing. Well, and I, I will say on his Patreon, he has been digging out a lot of old stills, like behind the scenes, pictures and stuff. And the other the other theory out there is it's a documentary much like they just did with DS9. Mm. But I don't think so, just because the way it was, he's the way he's worded it. And again, this is a lot of this is from the Patreon. So I'm being careful because I want people to actually pay the man instead of me telling you what he said. Um, the way he words it, it sounds like it was a production. It wasn't them sitting in front of a camera talking about them as actors. So I don't think it's a documentary. Well, to be clear, though, a documentary is a product. I mean, that, yeah, that does I, take a documentary. It's just, it's just the language he uses. It, yeah. It, you know, theatrical yeah. production. It, it implies yeah, okay. that, it, that, it, that it's something more than a documentary. That it's theatrical. It's, it's not. Oh, oh, it's a return of the B5. They're doing a new album. They're going to have a bunch of new songs for a song. They've got everyone in for every remaining person. Robin Atkin Downs, let him sing out a beat called Remember Byron. Why not? Why not? Let's just is, go hog wild. Full musical. Is there still any movement on possibly releasing the series on Blu-ray? Because there is a huge difference. <laughs> if you watch the episodes yeah. that are Tubi now and yeah. compare mm -hmm. them to what was on HBO Max, oh my God, the difference is... It's like I, I saw you tweet that out, Summer, and I wonder your internet connection because I have a big 4K screen I've been watching Tubi. It's not bad. I don't see a difference. It's mm -hmm. also not widescreen. Yeah, it wasn't widescreen on HBO Max. It, it was, was on mine. HBO Max. It was on mine. Then you had HBO Max set to stretch. The whole point of the yeah. remasters was it was the standard format because they didn't want to stretch out the FX. So on HBO Max, it was standard. It was standard for the the CGI scenes, but the the live scenes for me were were full width. That's a setting on your TV. That's not. Yeah, the I was confused. Well, I thought as they a person without HBO Max or Tubi, I'm just happy to have my little DVDs. If they gave us a Blu-ray, <laughs> wouldn't that be a magical thing? But I've given up any hope on uh, Warner Brothers giving yeah. any more of a shit about B5. I'm surprised we got a remaster <laughs> in the first place. That was. Hey, uh, surpri my, I'm surprised he was on there. My laser that, disc yeah. of The Gathering was better quality than the DVD. DVD that I ended well, up yeah and JMS yeah. pointed out why that is because the DVDs we got were a copy of a copy of a copy it was the they actually took the laser disc that you have and that was PAL format and then they converted to VHS and then they took that convert to the DVDs so that's why they look like crap <laughs> Well, it's a good thing it's such a great show story-wise. <laughs> yeah. No, but I, I mean that also laser disc yeah, is yeah. analog right? not digital so that 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 plays into it too it does it does but yeah no i mean i i need to play with your tv summer not that i know where you are but i need to play your tv because your hbo Max is that a euphemism exactly. for something and i fiddle no, with not. your tv's knobs yeah <laughs> no, no, no my not. literally my hbo max is comes in clearer than any other yeah. so there, there is some credence to what you're saying summer i have it all on voodoo i purchased the remaster before mm. it was put on hbo max uh -huh. um and i have been watching it there switched over to hbo max and then now i've switched back and i do feel like the quality is a little bit worse i'm also watching it on a very nice 4k tv mm. that's got a mm -hmm. lot of upscaling built into it i think part of it is just the hbo max app is better that could be Yes. It, except except from a UI perspective, the HBO Max yeah, is a true. fucking well, compared, dumpster compared fire. To no, 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 no. Play no. when you play no, no, the thing, no. it plays nice. Yes. Seriously, you can compare HBO Max to AMC Plus 
HBO Max is like the best Hell, thing. Paramount ever. Plus, that app. No, no, no. AMC Plus. If you have more than 12 items on your watch list, it can't scroll down. So, guys, I this we <laughs> were nerding out. One thing I thought of that I wanted to ask you all, because Tim brought it up with Deconstruction of Falling Stars, which is an episode for me, I think doesn't get the love it deserves because mm -hmm. I'm a Twilight Zone fan and it feels <laughs> like I'm watching the Twilight Zone for an hour. Outer Limits. Are, well, outer Limits too, same idea. Yeah, yeah. I used to watch that on TNT, the original. Um, mm -hmm. So what are some of your favorite episodes? Hmm. Oh, that's easy. I like um, In All My Dreams, Torn Asunder in season oh, yeah, five. That's a good one. That's a good I one. love uh, the yeah. episodes where it's almost like it's a tragedy, but it's not a full train wreck where they're leading <laughs> to be a train wreck. And that's one of my favorites for that. It's just Londo's, Londo's fucked, but right before he gets properly screwed over. Mm. Love that episode. I also wish that Mira's husband directed more episodes. He's one of the best visual directors of the show, and he only did one, and it's such a tragedy. Yeah. Season five gets shit on a lot, but actually some of my favorite episodes are in season five. I also like the the very long night of London Malari. London Malari, that's, 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 such a good episode. that's an excellent one. I, you know, I'm, Day I'm of the a, Dead one's real good, too. Oh, I love Day of the Dead. Oh, Neil I love Day of the no, Dead. No, Tim no, and no, I no, will no, argue no, about no, that no. for years. No. <laughs> but it had Dodger. <laughs> <laughs> Justice for Dodger. She just we, wanted to get laid. I'm dropping that episode in like two hours. She just okay. wanted to get laid. Hey, we we interviewed Marie Marshall and found out that she and um Jerry Doyle had actually had uh, a, relationship a relationship prior to yeah. that. Jerry so that Doyle was... definitely fucks. I'm, I'm yeah. sure. Yeah. Um you know, I I, I personally love really? season that's, five. That's shocking to me, actually. What's that? <laughs> That they had yeah. a relationship. They have so little chemistry. <laughs> That's sexy. So? He has a nice butt. Yeah. yeah, yeah. No, I, I, I'm a big fan of season five, as flawed as it is, because one of the things I like, and this to me is where Babylon Five differs from everything else. This ship, season five, showed what happens after happily ever after. Right. Even in JMS's original conception for the show, it was going to end with the establishment of the Interstellar Alliance and this grand brand new world. Right. And it's only through losing his notes in a hotel that a maid threw away that he's got to now scramble and make this whole other story. And the fact is, as disjointed as it sometimes is, it showed that. Happily ever after isn't happily ever after. There are problems, and and to all my dreams tore asunder. I love that scene where Sheridan is in the council chambers and he's talking about, "Damn you for asking this, and damn me for agreeing to it," mm -hmm. right? Because he finds himself now hoisted on his own petard of this moral good that they want to base the alliance on, and he realizes this is where the difference between the letter of the law and the spirit of the law exists and you know and and he finds himself in a sense out of his depth i think i think there's a lot to recommend season five okay getting out of season five y'all season five fans fuck season five um oh there's gonna be great comedy mike be great. yeah they are they, they're gonna be great pod it's gonna make great pod season two the coming of shadows yeah is just yeah. one of the most like consequential episodes possibly the most consequential episode in the whole series because it starts a war it doesn't 
pull away. It just drives over the cliff. It it goes crazy, right? And that's the point at which we realize really, 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 this is not Star Trek. Yeah, and, and my that, newbies just watched it like three weeks ago and they blew their minds. I was going to say their heads probably exploded, mm -hmm. right? I, I remember watching mm -hmm. it. We recorded it quite a while back. It's going to drop in a couple months or whatever because we're super slow. But um, but yeah, like your head explodes. Like I remember watching that 30 years ago my, or 29 years ago, my head just exploding because it was like, but wait, you can't go to war. That means things will be different next episode, right? I, I wasn't paying attention. I was 14 or whatever. So yeah, Londo, Londo can't be damned. You can't damn him, right? Yeah. Nice. I mean, yeah, it's he's, so he's you want to talk guy. about great episodes, uh, won a fucking Hugo Award. That's a great episode. That, 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 great is, episode. that is a great episode, See, I, mainly, though, because it sets up the fall of night, which is the actual greatest episode in season two. <laughs> wow. Yeah, but, well, we, I, Twilight those, Struggle is pretty magnificent. Um, I often raise that if you want the like what I would consider the best of the best, the long Twilight Struggles up there, but just personal favorites. There are just some others that just fly out out there. I mean, I'm a sucker for a time travel story. I always have been. Oh, I always will be. <laughs> and Babylon Squared and War Without End Part 1 and 2 is the best yeah. three-parter in any TV show in American television history. I'd agree with crazy. that. You know, yeah. crazy three-parter. How well it was done. Yeah. And, and here's the other thing. To the, do part the... one, two and a half years before you do part two. <laughs> I, it, it's still... Like, I, I mean, I know I, we just watched it a couple We I don't know if that episode's out. Of, we recorded that episode a couple weeks ago for us and uh, this episode's. And it's just like, it just blows my mind still how concise it is. Mm -hmm. um, well, and that's the goes, benefit of having one. Too. And that's what and the benefit of having a main writer who's writing and has a vision for it all, right? My problem with so much time travel stories is that it just basically is a reset button. And I'm looking at you, Voyager, with a year of hell, as much as people go, oh my God, a year of hell. It's like, it doesn't yeah, matter. In the yeah, end, Ryan. it doesn't matter. Um, <laughs> year of hell is a really good Twilight Zone episode. But but it doesn't matter, right? Yeah, the thing Voyager with, the doesn't thing matter. With, the thing with... <laughs> The thing with Babylon Squared and War Without End is that it matters. And the fact that it's the only time travel story is also the thing that makes it matter, right? It it mm -hmm. loops back in on itself, but it all, as much as it's where it begins and there's great lines in it, and in we even see the end, sort of, but we don't have any context for it, which also makes it great. You know, so there's a lot going for it, but it, it is a testament to, you know, the, the double-edged sword of JMS being the prime writer on that show mm -hmm. is that we mm -hmm. get this kind of stuff. But I think it's the other thing that sort of unfortunately pushes against it becoming a franchise, right? Yeah. Is that it's, it's, it is very much reliant upon a singular vision and, that's where I'm curious about this reboot, because I can't see JMS at this stage of his life and his career wanting to be a showrunner that also churns out 110 episodes. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Well, if you want to see him more recent times have to collaborate with others, you've got Sense8, and that's a whole can of worms in its in itself. Um, uh, who, who hasn't said some of their favorite episodes? I'm curious what other Summer. people's kind of oh, go to. Yeah, I it it varies for me, but I think for season two, in the shadow of Zaha Doom and Confessions and Lamentations, mm. 
those two episodes have elements in them that echo throughout the rest of the entire series. And they're little, little tiny breadcrumbs. But when you look at them harder, because In the Shadow of Zahadum reflects in everything that Morden does to Sheridan at the end of season three. Confessions and Lamentations uh, starts the, the rumor mill. Was that something that the shadows may have influenced in the spread? Was that really a dormant uh, virus that came Was back? Was it a Volon thing? Yeah. Uh, and that and that planet dying leads to Sheridan being able to destroy that jump gate to to give them a win over the shadows, and that reflects farther down with him trying to pull everybody together to fight the shadows and uh, season three. I mean, how can you not do messages from earth point of no return, severed dreams and ceremonies of light and dark all together. Mm -hmm. That, that in itself is a novel. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And with uh, confessions and lamentations, it's one of the things that follows through in what JMS says about Babylon 5, the rise and fall of civilizations. It's the first time we see in a show in the show a whole civilization fall. We've yeah. seen in other episodes previous, like ancient civilizations that have torn themselves apart, but this is one where here's 45 minutes of this alien race that's been in the background for two whole seasons, and now they're gone. Yeah, forever. They're not coming we back. Got- yeah, we got a hint of it with uh, Death Walker, with her race, her planet going away, and then all of a sudden... And an infection as well with yeah, the bioweapons, yeah. It's it's here, right in your face. These characters who you've seen in the council chamber, wandering around in the Zocalo, they're gone now. They're dead skis. You know, also, it has just are... one of the most depressing endings to an episode of Babylon Five, with just Franklin at the bar. No one, like they just don't. People just don't care, and he's, nothing changes and just walks yeah. off. That's 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 Babylon Five for you, right there. Yep. You guys have named a lot of lore episodes, which is what you should. But I also there's not many of them, but I love the little bottle episodes too. I, one of the ones that always uh, stands out to me is passing through Geshemi. Um mm-hmm. That is just. Mm-hmm. An am- amazingly acted yeah. episode, yeah. an amazing gut punch episode, and it really doesn't matter when you continue to watch the show, but it it matters. You know what I mean? Just yeah. shows. I like mean, that. it's a lot of foreshadowing for Jakar, really, it more is. than anyone it else. Is. But I actually and it's, at least it's following through on things as well from the quality of Mercy two seasons previous. Like, hey, remember that mm-hmm. weird idea we chucked out and did nothing with? Well, here's an episode where we do everything with that idea we didn't do before but it's also the thing that makes babylon 5 cool it actually has not contempt or distance from real life human religion it actually Mm -hmm. says real life human religions exist they'll Mm -hmm. probably still exist in the future guess what Catholics All of them, and then some. There. Which is yeah. interesting, yeah, many more. coming from JMS, who was a part of a religious cult and now is an atheist. So yes. it's, yeah, it's... and also went to Catholic school, the yes, worst I mean... place to go. <laughs> I actually got to talk to uh, Brad Dorif uh, about, I'd interviewed him about uh, an indie horror movie he had done, but I also got to ask him a couple of questions about Passing Through Gethsemane. So that was kind of fun. Mm-hmm. Mm. 
I would, I would like to oh, say, the best oh, I'm one. sorry. No, go ahead. Uh, mm -hmm. Talk to Joe. I've talked enough. I was going to add. Well, I, I don't know who has said and who hasn't. So somebody talk. Well, no, the, the other, the other, when you're talking about bottle episodes, the core is mother, the core is father. Oh man. That is a good one. Actually. Yes. Yeah. That's another one where the ending is pure Babylon five. Season oh, yeah. five, Mike. Yeah. yeah, I know. Right. Fuck off. Right. <laughs> no, so I, I, I want to say one of my favorites, and this was also the mind blower for me, is um, uh, interludes and examinations. Yeah, because mm. after a whole bunch of heavy episodes, this looked like it was supposed to be just one where you gather, take a breath. And then while everything's ratcheting up with the shadow war, right, it just with the title interludes and examinations that says, OK, we're just going to take a moment. We're going to think about some stuff. Or we're just going to take a break. And it ends up being the death of Kosh. And right, it's yeah. fucking mind yeah. blowing at that point. Right? Sorry, son. There's a, a bit yeah, of JMS right. in the uh, season guides that they put out. Uh, but right before season five came out, they put out those five season guide books. And in that, in the description, in the little bit about that episode, he's all like, I purposefully named this episode something benign to lure people into a false sense of security. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it works. And, and it yeah. works. Oh, one yeah. of the other episodes that I think is interesting um is and now for a word mm. um because it's one of the first b5 episodes that goes like weird with the format and we'll get other ones like uh like the one where uh, sheridan gets interrogated for a whole episode into sections mm. in real time but mm -hmm. and now for a word is just what happens if we could tell a, a normal babylon 5 story but through a completely different lens and i remember as a kid thinking oh you can do that <laughs> Babylon 5 can do that because you, you get used to the Babylon 5 structure. And then this episode comes along and says, hey, baby, we can do it differently now. And I'm just in there going, what? You can't I know. I remember no. Joe, Sarah, that, and I, that episode. Yeah. Yeah. We all thought it was going to be terrible. Right, Joe? I remember when mm -hmm. we're like, oh, God, this one's a horrible episode. And then we all watched it and we're like, this is fucking really good. Yeah, yeah this is it's, it's 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 brilliant parody of. Yeah, um, it's of so Fox is. News. It's it's great. Kind Before of. Yeah. There was a Fox News. Yeah, yeah, it was. or just or just news in general. We talked yeah, about news it. in Cynthia, general, but Cynthia Talkman, we have our we we have our version here in Australia. <laughs> I love her like, name, She's just everywhere. Her. Like right. that type of person is everywhere. Yeah, <laughs> Joe, did you That's ever give your your big episode? Joe? What do you what do you like? Yeah, I know Joe has opinions. So, well, Fall of Night's my favorite episode. Yeah, this period. Okay. Yeah, quite honestly, it's, I, I, it's because you know it, it, it's got all sorts of lore elements. It's got mm -hmm. tension, and you know if you've been and, watching and the series, it, 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 who I don't, I'm not familiar with that character. Yeah, Joe doesn't we call know him, who we him WK in the office down here. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm looking forward to the. I think you guys are making that up. There's no, there's no one named that that character. I'm sure. I'm, I've, I've, watched the show many times uh, <laughs> but no it's 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 a, it's a great uh it's a great episode it's it's sort of self-contained um it, it but it also you know has links to the to the bigger story so mm -hmm. I, i'll throw out three more that i put together whenever i want to get a good cry and of course everyone loves the last one but uh objects in motion objects in rest and sleep in light i just watch all three yeah. of those together as a goodbye to the show when i've binged it and they they hit hard sleeping mm. light's so sad i just don't you know. but it's so good it's it it's is, the yeah, it's the greatest serious finale ever filmed and i will die on that hill 
Yep. Absolutely. <laughs> I, I, I think I might it, agree. Yeah. It I mean, ties so, up. So to be clear, my husband, who hates Babylon 5, uh, thinks thinks it is one of the best written series finales nice. ever. Like nice. it's just Very so it's it's so well done. Right? I cry every single I must have watched that episode at least 150 times and I cry every damn time. No, it, it always hits it it never fails to hit i even think about it and i start like oh yeah gosh right and for the you know every day for the rest of her life delenn watched the sun come up oh my god yeah, yeah. Can and I? you know there's there's you know second chances even for people like us oh my god but you guys were the best yeah, yeah it's just it's um, phenomenal uh, uh, the fall of night and and sleeping in light also makes me want to ask this question since we all watched the show before and we're and some of us are now going through it as content to watch it. But I just want to know just briefly from each one of you, who's that character mm. that you you found yourself surprised that you mm. you like? Like for me, when I thought of some of this, Zach Allen is one of my favorite characters. He's in my top five mm. characters, and I, you would never have I would never have said that on my first watch or two, but on this watch, I love Zach. He's one of my favorites and that's a surprise to me. Who's that character that you found yourself surprised that you you liked as much as you have? Mm. On wow, rewatch, I... Talia's really grew, grew on me. Uh, mm. This last rewatch, for sure. Mm. Someone, and especially knowing everything that happens, you know, and how it all goes down, uh, it's just kind of like very dismisses. Like she shows up, it's like, oh yeah, it's, it's, gonna, it's gonna be terrible. Realizing, realizing how much sarcasm drips from every sentence that Talon utters was. <laughs> oh <surprise>. yeah, Talon. <laughs> just <laughs> every line. God, I love every Talon. line is just dripping with. It's like while all replies are answers. Not all answers. Well, all answers are replies. Not all replies are answers. I'm like, yo. <laughs> with with Talia, because she's not a favorite of mine, and I've always I've also tried to like her a lot. But I am just curious of, like, what was that thing that held you back previously, and how did it overcome it on on this watch for you, or make her more of a standout character? Because I've wanted to like Talia, but. You know, I'm in season four now and it's all Lita town and I fucking yeah. love Lita. So it's hard to be like, oh, yeah, and Talia too. Um, a lot of it was just being kind of dismissive because of the character arc. Um, and, and she gets done dirty uh, for sure. Uh, and so just like maybe it's reserving attachment was just like, I know what's going to happen. I shouldn't like this character because I know she's not going to be around. Uh, but just the raw amount of shit she has to deal with, like she is treated so friendly and so terribly. And maybe it's because of my transition to a more office job. <laughs> Lawrence Dottilio really treats Talia badly. Let's put it that way. Like yeah. she, I, I wondered yeah, if it's uh, what is it? The, the test that uh, Kosh put her through with the, the VCR guy. Yeah. I wondered. <laughs> I wondered if that was his way of double checking. Maybe Kosh already knew at that point what Psychor had done, you know, burying oh, yeah. the personality. Well, that was, that was a trap door in there in case they wanted to bring mm -hmm. her back. Yeah, we, talk, we decided to dissect her instead. Yeah. I will yeah. say, uh, Andrea, uh, that actress, Andrea Thompson, she gives a, a really great performance that I didn't appreciate 
in the past. So that's something that's really changed on, on my watching of it. It's also interesting because I'm familiar with her from NYPD Blue and Quantum Leap, where she plays like really strong-willed characters mm-hmm. and Talia by design. Yeah is having to not be that, yet yeah. that's the arc. Like, the intended arc is for her mm-hmm. to break free, and she doesn't get to because they weren't giving the actress any work, and uh, she was, you know, got better work. And so she's, you know, she is interesting, though. I'll, I'll add one other one in there, and we're only, again, halfway through season two, so most of the main characters I love we haven't gotten to yet, and most of the main characters I don't like we haven't gotten to yet. But I was really, really shocked and impressed how much my newbies were so pissed off when Takashima did not come back from the firing line. <laughs> really? They yeah. loved her. Mind-blowing. Mind yeah. She was yeah. pretty awesome. Yeah, yeah. and they, yeah. Like, they were so pissed. Jesse almost quit the damn show. Wow. When she found out that Takashima was gone. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, but did you, have you told her what Takashima's arc was supposed to be? I yeah. have not because we haven't gotten to Divided Loyalties. When we get to Divided uh-huh. Loyalties, okay. I will tell them what the original plan was. I like to, I don't, because if I tell them that Takashima is going to be a sleeper, then they will think, okay, who's the sleeper now? I don't want them thinking that. Right. Yeah. Are you, are you going to discuss the, the slightly different telepath path that was supposed to be in season five? When we get to season five, I got two years, man. <laughs> oh, yeah. Remember Byron, remember Byron. Uh, you know, you know what, my, from my, my, uh, my favorite character, uh, on the rewatch, um, because I originally watched this show starting in season two, mm. um, I was not introduced to original Natoth <sighs> until, um, like years later, like on, on like, you know, like scattered, you know, reruns, you know, mm. And I've found like I just I love original Natoth um, mm-hmm. so much in mm-hmm. in the first season that every episode she's in I'm just like oh yay it's Natoth you know yeah, this episode's automatically ass. good right. <laughs> whatever okay, whatever's know. happening she's in it this this episode is going to be great the only that one episode we lost that one episode where she and and Veer are playing that little video game was hilarious yes don't yes. give away the home world but, but that that's not actually or to the purple that's coda that is, that's that's coda that's coda that's that 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 actually coda yeah that's that's yeah. the narn who found her way out in airlock <laughs> right right before she got spaced. the guy across the bar because he yes. hit on her but um for me no talk you can't go past just the iconic line read of death walker death walker and then just <laughs> shit out of her with a wrench can you imagine if the can you imagine if the actor who played uh, her in season 2 tried to make that line work death yeah. walker it's hard mary <laughs> mary Kay adams is, yeah the thing mary about Kay first thing first season of toth is even underneath all of the makeup she's just pure sex i'm just like fuck <laughs> this lady fucks. <laughs> she's she waiting for waiting for jacquard to be done <laughs> yeah yeah well yeah yeah as as julie, as julie said in our interview right the original plot arc that jms had and told her was that she's going to become the ambassador right yeah like like, yeah. like mm-hmm. she's which she's taken over yeah. She, which, yeah that's yeah. that's another great and again it's from my objects one i was talking about i or maybe it was sleeping i can't remember now it's been a while since i watched but seeing the new generation you know talon mm-hmm. up there i just uh, it's objects oh, in motion oh, when they leave been. the station yeah yes thank you objects yes motion, and, and and number yeah. one um marjorie monahan standing there mm-hmm. veer standing there and it yep. is just you know it it echoes 
again, from those first season shots where it's Sinclair and Garibaldi and, and Ivanova standing there in the observation dome window and the name of the place is Babylon five. Right. Yeah. And it is, it is, it, it gives a, a great sense and a show that really is all about change. It does mm-hmm. let us know that there is still, while the series is ending, there's still a continuation, which is yes. just, again, amazing. And, and I'm listening to all you talk about, you know, favorite characters, surprising characters, and I'm trying to reflect on it. And I have to say, it almost is a cliche, but for me, they're all, yeah, they're, they're all of a piece. You know, I don't know that I can pick one that was surprising. If anybody, it might be Bester. And I think the thing that was most surprising about Bester, uh, Summer and I did a calculation for as long as Shadow is that that character casts yeah. across the thing. He's only in like 12 episodes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And most of those are actually in season five. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, yeah. and th- I, I think you know, it was, there was um, William Shatner had a, a talk show called William Shatner raw. I don't know if you ever saw it. It was on a cable yeah. thing somewhere. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he, and he's interviewing um, um, Walter, Walter Koenig, Koenig. Mm-hmm. And, and Koenig has this dual bobblehead. Right. And it's a Chekhov and a Bester back to back with Big Bobble. <laughs> and 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 basically, you know, Shatner's asking him about this. And he says that she said that Chekhov is the character that allowed him mm. that made him famous mm. enough to be able to play the character that he really enjoyed playing. Right. Mm-hmm. That that and and I think I said this to him in when we interviewed him for the Babcast and I wasn't trying to be insulting. I was I, I think that was like the the first major star we had on the show. I mean, we talked to Stephen first and we had talked to Pat Tallman, but then, you know, Jeffrey's like, oh, I'd like to introduce you to Walter Koenig. And I'm inside going. Mm-hmm. But I but I said to him, I said, the thing that was really surprising about Bester was to actually see how good an actor yeah. you are yeah, right? exactly because let's face it Chekhov is just he's he's ensign plywood when all he's said a, and done on the original, yeah, yeah right and he's just sort of there and bester oh my god and and again you know he 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 back to how great the whole show is written the fact is that you know bester isn't an evil guy he's just a guy who believes in what he does and he believes and that he's right yeah. well <laughs> sure i mean you know and and that's yeah. but but how you know but but at any point you know, that scene in um in dust to dust i love it when when he and garibaldi and that the chemistry between those characters is yeah. is amazing but you know after they cops. right yeah. exactly and and that scene after they've interviewed the guy and you know he says look there's i don't mess with dust but there's a shipment coming in and garibaldi turns on him and says so I thought you said you couldn't, you know, you didn't have, you said, I don't, but people like that, you know, and he basically says, it isn't just about my tele, my telepathy. Right. And he's, you know, it's like, yeah, they're afraid of the badge and the uniform, just like they're afraid of your badge <laughs> and your uniform. And Garibaldi mm-hmm. looks like he wants to punch him, except he knows best. He's right. true. You know, and that's, and that's become <laughs> best friends in season four. Oh, what a friendship <laughs> those two get to have. <laughs> yeah. The thing about Bester is also the thing about so many, like Naroon and uh, you know, so on and so forth. Handful of episodes, but they leave a long-lasting impact because you have to yeah. use them. If you don't, if you don't have characters that actually make a mark, then they're not going to be remembered. They're not going to have this long-lasting impact. There's often a critique made of modern shows of, oh, they don't have enough time. 
They just don't have enough time. These ten, these ten episode seasons, blah 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 blah. Uh, well, their character—they didn't have enough time to make them a good character. Bullshit. Naroon's in five episodes of the show. Yep. And he's one mm-hmm. of the great side characters of the show. Um, Mike, is. I just want to yeah. hear from you. Uh, did you say any character in particular that surprised I didn't, you? You know, I deeply, deeply hate Byron. So I'll, I'll, I'll <laughs> I mean, do the fair. other answer to that. Is fucking mm-hmm. Byron? I just fucking hate Byron. Um, but anyway, yeah, we're we're kind of getting close to time though, and I, yeah, I, I think. Yeah. No, yeah. I, don't, I don't want to start yeah. losing one by one. <laughs> well, no, I just I just so, wanted to wrap up by saying yeah, that yeah. my my favorite end of series handoff is Garibaldi to number one. Uh huh. That 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 yeah. scene where she tears everyone in the boardroom, several new ones, and then the follow up scene later where Garibaldi's talking to the the new the new board. Mm-hmm. It's like if you're right, you get a bonus. If you're wrong, I'll eat you for lunch. Well, I really appreciate that. As much as Garibaldi walked through a pile of shit the entire series, he's the one that comes out the cleanest. He's got his company. He's got Liz. Yeah, he becomes a he's filthy good. capitalist. Yeah, yeah. fine. He's, he's wealthy he's got a beyond. Kid who plays tennis. He's fine. And he's got the woman he loves. I mean, yeah. he's he's happy. He's wealthy well, and loved, yeah. and in money, he's 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 golden. But let's yeah, talk about all- this. Uh, what, let's let's have this conversation. I want to have other conversations too, but let's have this conversation when the B five for the first time and my newbies are done, so we can have this big ass <laughs> conversation about I'm, the end of the show. I'm really curious to hear, especially what Jesse and Nicole have to say. Yeah, right, because because they're coming at it from a whole different perspective. Mm-hmm. Nicole's not even a science fiction fan, mm-hmm. right? One of the things that appealed to me about B5 when I've the, the um, Midnight on the Firing Line is it, it's like I could tell this was written by a science fiction fan, right? Um, and, and so that informs how I respond to the show. And also, you know, this was 30 years ago, as opposed to today being exposed to it. Um, and and I think about something my my ex once said when we watched um, Sleeping in Light, is she was really upset at Sheridan leaving Delenn behind. Mm-hmm. And her and her her comment was, if he really loved her, he would have brought her along. And that never had occurred to me. Right. And, you know, we can unpack all that. But my point is, it was a perspective that never occurred to me. I, mm-hmm. I would mm-hmm. not have gotten to that point. So I'm really excited to hear what Jesse and Nicole especially have to say and 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 the rest of the newbies, right, who are coming to it in a different time and place and different yeah. perspectives. And again, as we talked about the relevance, like when we first watched it in the mid nineties, we're like, Oh yeah. Nightwatch. Right. We get it. This historical, whatever. We had no idea it was looming on our future. Right. Yeah. And they're watching it while they're living through it. And that's got to inform how they're seeing this. And I'm really, really fascinated to see what that final conversation, I don't want to say final, but that conversation at the end of it is. I hear you. Well, that's why I started the show because I wanted to experience B5 through somebody news eyes because it's been 30 years for me. So to that mm. point, let's go ahead and wrap this up, guys. I Again, this is our second time doing this. It will not be our last time. I love doing this with you all. Uh, and you are all more than welcome to come on our show anytime you want. But let's go around the horn here and do our senseless plugs. And we'll start with Mike. Plug your show, anything else you want to say, and we'll wrap it up. 
Uh, no, it's just Mike. This is Gray Sector Pod. This was fun, Scott. Thanks again. Um, would would be happy to crash the show. Also, I've been talking to Ryan about crashing Yum Yum as well. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, this this is a great get together. Uh, we should definitely do this again sometime. Awesome, Ryan. Well, you can find myself and my wife, Rachel, over at Yum Yum Pod or Yum Yum Podcast. We are making our way through season four currently. We're rewatching the show. We go in and analyze it, really break it apart. Uh, also having a blast talking about uh, some of the guest actors that have appeared on the show. We just did a recording for The Illusion of Truth, and there's a lot to say about the actor of Dan Randall. So you can find us on any of your social medias or platforms uh podcasting wise under yum yum pod or yum yum podcast tim yeah i'm tim calendar once again of the babylon podcast and uh summer and i started oh gosh almost 2006 yes, back right. in the day at the dawn of the the first age of podcasting <laughs> if you really before, before social it. media existed yeah, right Right. Oh, that's a whole other conversation when y'all were talking about, you know, ugly fans and memes like we didn't have to do that. Uh, anyways, yeah. So so summer is brilliant and has archived all the stuff and it's easy to go through. It's not so easy to listen to my audio connection in some of the earlier episodes, but that's a whole other story. But I'm happy to still be a part of this community. And again, Scott, yes, thanks for the invitation. And um, you, do you want us to give a list when you get to episodes that we can come in and crash? Seriously, yeah. And you guys just, uh, okay. you know how to message me. I have the Twitter. You guys all have it. Just message me and say, hey, I would love to talk about episode X and I'll get you on. Javart. So I'm Trevor. I'm one of the two hosts of Who Are You? A Babylon 5 Watchcast. It's hosted by Laura and I, who really wish she could have been here, but she is sick, so she couldn't make it to this. So just sent her highs to everyone and her uh, regards for not making it. Uh, we're finishing up season three and recording. I think we're released. We just put out uh, Late Delivery from Avalon was our most recent episode we put out, which also is an episode that I unapologetically love. Uh, it's so horrible. It's so good. In a good so way. Bad. In a yeah. good way. <laughs> it's so bad good. Um, so uh, we are two complete strangers when we started, and we've gotten to know each other over the course of the podcast. And you can find us on uh, your favorite podcast app. We have social media. I ignore it most of the time. <laughs> yeah. uh, but uh, we do have a Discord uh, server with a lot of our uh, community. That's a lot of fun as well. So... I need that yeah. link. Yeah, I will happily throw you the link, that link in this chat Sweet. that we're talking about getting a thing together anyway. So, Joe. I'm a, a Joe. I co-host, I, I co-host the Gray Sector podcast along with Mike and Sarah, who is missing. Um, and uh, yeah, we try to take a more sort of humorous angle. Uh, we love the show and, and we love uh, talking about it and um, finding you know, both the, the good and, and the bad about, about it. Uh, so, uh, yeah, we, we, I really enjoyed this, uh, this little round table. Thanks for, uh, for hosting us here. Um, I give you social media stuff, but I don't, I don't know anything about that. So Joe's too, <laughs> too pure old. for social media. Yeah. Too old and too pure. Yes. Apparently. <laughs> Gray sector pod on Twitter. And summer. Uh, like, like Tim said, babylonpodcast.com is the website where you can find all, I think it's almost 300 episodes spanning 2006 to 2012, and then a few more in 
2019 and a couple last year. Uh, at Babylon Podcast on Twitter is me. I will talk uh, Babylon 5. Sometimes I'll talk Space 1999 and other old TV shows. And uh, like I said, I'm up to talk Babylon 5 anytime you need an extra voice, possibly one who's both passionate and slightly cantankerous. <laughs> and Brent could not stay with us because he is a noob, but also check out Babylon 5 for the first time with Brent and Jeff. And uh, your Discord is now making noises, so I have to close it. Uh, <laughs> and I'm Scott with uh, Gray 17 Podcast. Ironically, no one said Gray 17 is missing is their favorite episode. Uh, <laughs> I love that episode from Naroon. Love Naroon yes, in that episode. Yes. He's fantastic. Yeah. <laughs> but you can find us on uh, your podcast app of choice or YouTube as well. And guys, it's one of the best things about doing this and having this show last for 30 years is I get to meet all these new friends. So it's been amazing talking with many of you on our show, but also talking with all of you on side chats and everything else. This has been just an amazing experience of building not only the Babylon 5 community, but the Babylon 5 content creating community. It's it's just been really fun. And I will just, uh, I'll end it by saying, here's to uh, an amazing show that so many cast, crew, writers, producers, so forth and so on made 30 years ago, but also here's to the next 30 years and what will come because it's it's not going anywhere. So thanks, everybody. We really do appreciate it. And uh, I look forward to calling the league together again soon. Take care, everyone. <laughs> thanks, thanks for putting Scott. this together. Have a good one. Thanks, guys.